0: Welcome back to another episode of Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. My name is Creek, and I am with my two perceptive co-hosts, Mario Sikora and Maria Jose Munita. And today we're continuing our mini series on critical thinking uh, as we lead up to the conversation that Mario and MJ are gonna be having at the IA Global Conference. Um, they'll be doing their session bright and early at nine in the morning for those of you that are uh, that much into critical thinking. So um, what, what, what can they look forward to? What's the incentive on them coming other than your brilliance? um <laughs> great uh so, <laughs> uh, uh, so <laughs> people
1: should want to be skilled at their use of the enneagram and yeah th- you know everything that we do that involves thinking in any way is enhanced by understanding how the mind works The reason people study the Enneagram, once they get beyond the, oh, I'm a seven, isn't that funny, you know, kind of stuff, is, wait a minute, this shapes the way I see the world. And the better I understand it, the better I understand the filters and distortions, et cetera, that are keeping me from being happy. But the Enneagram doesn't take care of everything. So the Enneagram is just one tool to help us see more clearly. And we're going to provide some others specifically as
0: to how they relate to our work with the enneagram so speaking of the availability bias if i'm understanding this correctly um (laughs) that's not much of a segue
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's like an imaginary segue creek
0: in my mind i I was thinking about the availability (laughs) bias so yeah. Well, yeah. see, people just assume that they must have missed something. That's right. That part got edited out in the uh, yeah, in right, post-production. Yeah. I do that a lot. Too yeah. much, actually, sometimes. But, yeah. all right, so let's talk about availability bias. What is it, and why do we need to know about it?
2: As you were saying, Mario, the the Enneagram only goes so far in explaining how we don't see things clearly. I think that a, a body of knowledge that enhances that skill is clear thinking or critical thinking and it just on its own but also as enneagram practitioners not understanding these things it's just a wasted opportunity because it it really strengthens our um skills in the use of the enneagram
1: yeah okay look i'm gonna be really honest i'm I'm gonna be (laughs) (laughs) exciting
2: i'm I'm, I'm, gonna be
1: really honest here Okay. Yes. A lot of the Enneagram teaching out there is crap. It's crap because it's stupid. It's crap because it's not thought through. It's crap because it embraces nonsense and magical thinking. Okay. And if we have respect for the work that we're doing, we need to become serious about it and serious thinkers. And we need to be able to see crap thinking
0: and cut it out of our work. So, what does that have to do with availability bias?
1: (laughs) 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 So, availability bias is our tendency to grab onto information that comes easily to mind and then use that to frame the way we think about something. Now, it's kind of similar to anchoring bias, like we talked about last time, but uh, anchoring bias has to do with temporality, right? The amount of time that has lapsed between an event and when we recall it. This just has to do with things that we think about a lot that are easy for us to recall. Or have access to. Or have access to, absolutely.
2: Yeah, for example... Yeah. For, for example, I have a lot of ones in my life or fours, then the chances that I'll see things, certain behaviors in people and see them as four-ish are higher because I, that's what I know. Yeah. And some people tell me, yeah, I don't have many, for example, nines in my life. I don't know how to recognize them because that's kind of the opposite. It's not that available for me. So I just don't know when i'm seeing it so when we are used to seeing certain things uh they're more available to us we tend to think that that's what we're seeing
0: with the as you eloquently put it the crap out there this could play availability bias could be they just don't have the mm, the data available Mm -hmm. to know how to push further into and and refine what it is that they're teaching
1: Sure. If, if we're ignorant about things, then we're not going to be able to recall them. Right. So we'll recall things that we know or believe, even if those things are not true. OK, so we have a, a tendency to just grab information that's handy. And then we talked about stereotyping last time too with confirmation bias and this can be part of it too but we'll have a tendency to say oh this person reminds me of that person therefore they must be like that person okay so if i meet somebody who is a four and i know they are like a particular kind of music and then i meet somebody else who likes that same kind of music my mind is going to go to fours Okay, because that is a connection in my mind. Oh, I know a four that likes that kind of music. This person likes that kind of music. So therefore, this person's probably a four. Now, it's not that conscious. It happens below the surface, but our brain starts to make these associations with easily available things to it. So we have to, again, be careful of saying, well, just because that's what I immediately thought of does not mean that that's actually the case.
2: Yeah, and or it could be that we generalize, uh, which is kind of similar to what you were saying, but we think we know a couple of fives, so we think that all fives are like yeah. that. And that's usually not the case.
0: Uh, great. So the next one, um, which is similar but slightly different, is the fundamental attribution error. Can we talk about that?
1: We sure can. This is an important um, thing. Again, not just with the Enneagram, but with life in general, but it certainly happens with the Enneagram. The fundamental attribution error is the tendency to take a behavior or a characteristic and a person and generalize that as some reflection of their character and their whole personality rather than seeing it as a data point that might be related to a specific set of circumstances. Okay. For example, if we're standing in a line and somebody, you know, cuts in front of the line in some way, and we will sit there and be irritated and say, can you believe this jerk? They cut in front of the line. They're a bad person. Right? So we assume that they are the kind of person who would cut to the front of a line in front of other people and not be concerned about what other people think or other people's feelings. But then we have this experience where you know we're in a real hurry and there's a little bit of a crisis going on and we've got to get back real fast to get our kids to the doctors or whatever it is. And so we kind of weasel our way up ahead of the line a little bit. But we justify it in ourselves because we think, well, you know, I'm a good person, but I have these circumstances that are shaping this behavior. So we tend to be generous toward ourselves when it comes to circumstances, but not generous toward others. We make big assumptions about them, and then we start to look at one behavior, and we draw large conclusions
0: from that. What, what is helpful about drawing those conclusions?
2: I think that the brain needs to draw conclusions, needs to make judgments about people, because otherwise we would just go out into the world with like uh, not knowing how to behave. So there is a benefit of extrapolating, of generalizing, of making these judgments. The problem is, that in general, it's useful. But in particular, when we're trying to see things clearly, we might not make the correct assessments if we are not aware of these tendencies that are automatic.
1: A way that we see this play itself out a lot is we see a trait or a behavior in someone and we jump to a conclusion about their enneagram type or their instinctual bias. Oh look, Creek loves to cook; he must be preserving. Okay. Or Mario is such a nice guy; he must be a nine, or you know, couldn't be an eight, or or you know, look at Maria Jose; she's angry and bossy; uh, she must be an eight, or or whatever it is. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, but we see this all the time. I'm
2: just me. You're
1: just, you're just me. I'm just you. Okay. So, uh, so, again, we have to be careful about taking any one data point and drawing big conclusions from it in all aspects of our lives, but particularly around the Enneagram types. Because once we jump to a big conclusion, then all these other cognitive biases that we've been talking about get in the way of us being able to see that person clearly. Right? Once we get that, you know, idea in our head, then confirmation bias reinforces it, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Thanks again for listening. You can join us next week for the final episode of this mini series on critical thinking. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awareness toaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at com slash podcast.